Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown, joined by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? Chip, I'm doing good. We have a game to talk about this week, which always is good uh, entertainment, I think, for our Flagship Podcast uh, audience so i'm ready for that how are you doing hey it's um listen mad dog 2020 seems to be rearing its ugly head again games are getting canceled all over the place so we are knocking on wood crossing our fingers and shoving horseshoes in certain directions to get this game in taylor and it's texas and it's kansas and normally you look at this and you say ho hum uh, put that one in the the win column, at least for everyone who's played Kansas this year. They're they're not keeping it close with anybody, but for some silly, stupid reason, Texas has been unable to cover in its last four games against Kansas and lost one of those games. The end of the Charlie Strong era, effectively in 2016, up in Lawrence, Kansas. So Texas fans got to take this one seriously until they have a reason not to take it seriously, right? Yeah, I think that I still have like night terrors or something about that Kansas game and covering that one with the backlash that came and ensued after that um, when Texas lost to Kansas on the road. So, you know, I think that you're right. You know, Tom Herman even kind of addressed this during his Monday press conference leading up to the Kansas game. He talked about how you know, um, with playing, there's some concerns a little bit with playing a winless team that's struggling because it's, you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds who, you know, it's hard for them not to look at the record. It's hard for them not to look at what's being written about this game. It's hard for them not to look at what the spread of the game is. You've got to make sure that you have a mature team to recognize that just because somebody's record says something, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the the product that you're going to see on the field when you take the field against them. And I think that needs to just be you know, I think that's probably how I think a lot of Texas fans to begin with feel right now. Um, now, some of the players on the Texas roster, they may not understand some of that because they didn't lose to Texas in 2016. Like, uh, you know, like how Charles Amenahue and some of the former Malik Jefferson, those guys went through that. And I think they knew, oh, my gosh, that can never happen again. So this is going to be this shouldn't be a problem. You know, this is a game where Texas should absolutely take care of business. I think Texas fans would agree with that. However, just because of how many times I feel like people have gotten burned a little bit when you give Texas the benefit of the doubt, you kind of go into this game. I think some Texas fans may be a little hesitant to be overconfident just because of you know, kind of how history recently especially has played, and Tom Herman even addressed that too. Well, let me take you back then. This will be our history lesson. I'm going to take you back to a minute 11 left in last year's Texas-Kansas game with Kansas leading 48-47. 
And that, uh, that came after Kansas went for two, went for the win and succeeded. And so with, with Kansas leading 48, 47, uh, first and 10 at the UT 25, uh, Texas flagged for an eligible man downfield. So it's first and 15 from the 20. Um, Ellinger hits Colin Johnson for 16, then hits Keontae Ingram for four. Uh, timeout Texas with 43 seconds left from their own 40. Ellinger throws deep to Keontae Ingram incomplete. Uh, Ellinger runs for eight yards on third and six to the UT 48, then a deep pass incomplete to Colin Johnson, middle pass to Colin Johnson, good for 20 yards uh, to the Kansas 32. Uh, we have 14 seconds left in the game now, and Sam Ellinger completes an 11-yard pass to Colin Johnson to the Kansas 21. Timeout, eight seconds left. Ellinger passes to Devin Duvernay for six yards to the KU 15. Timeout, clock, five seconds left. Cameron Dicker comes out and kicks a 33-yard field goal with no time left. And Texas wins 50-48. to 48. So if that doesn't remind you of, uh, of what Taylor was just talking about, the history lesson, then I don't know what will. That was crazy town. Um, Taylor, the 18 chip too. Let's go. I mean, Kansas scored 17 points in the fourth quarter of the 2018 game right. when, you know, they, I believe, what was it? It was 24 20, to seven. I think, 20, um, yeah, 24, 17 was the final, but yeah, it was, a, it was, yeah, it was 24, seven to, or 21 to seven, I think to start the fourth quarter, then it ends up being 24, 17 or no, maybe it was, no, it was 21, nothing going into the fourth quarter. And then they scored 17 points. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, yeah. It's been, uh, it's not been the easy afternoon uh, that Texas fans would like. And if you look at what Kansas has done or not done this year, um, they've lost every game uh, by a wide margin. Uh, their closest game was a 15 point loss to Coastal Carolina. They lost 47 to 14 at Baylor, 47 to 7 at home against Oklahoma State, 38-17 at West Virginia, 55-14 at K-State. That's the Sunflower Showdown. That's the rivalry game they got housed in. Um, 52 to 22 against Iowa State and 62 to 9 against Oklahoma. And that was their last their last game out and Puka Williams the the stud running back for Kansas opted out of the season four games in. Right. He ran a 92-yard kickoff back for the final points against West Virginia and then said, I'm out. Right. So Kansas is, we won't waste your time with a bunch of lowlights, but just know that Kansas is dead last in 11 significant statistical categories in the Big 12, including turnover margin. Um, Texas, on the other hand, has not turned the ball over in its last two games, victories at Oklahoma State and home against West Virginia. So that needs to continue for Texas uh, going into this game. But Taylor, there is some significant injury news this week, and that is that B.J. Foster uh, might 
have the title back as hardest hitter on the team because he took out both the team's tight ends in practice last Thursday. He, uh, he rocked Cade Brewer where his sternum meets his clavicle or something, but he's got a chest contusion and is questionable. And Jared Wiley uh, got taken to the ground and suffered a shoulder injury. And I'm hearing he is not likely to play in this game against Kansas. Tom Herman and Kate Brewers, no one's talked about this, but he's had a knee injury since the Texas Tech game that has not been able to heal. In fact, it was it was hit again in the Baylor game. And he would struggle to hold the ball right now as a holder. He was Cameron Dicker's holder in high school. Um, but that knee injury is so bad, he can hardly put his knee on the ground to hold. So your your holder is going to be the backup long snapper, uh, Zach Edwards. Just He's number 43. So that's all you need to know. <laughs> and when you see 43 trot out there for a field goal, now you know why. Come on, and Zach Edwards. Come on, Zach. better than 43. <laughs> They're pulling for you, baby. Of course, if he does his job, he'll just be known as number 43. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, specialists don't get names. So. Right. You don't. You don't want those guys to. You don't ever want to know their name because that means usually something went horribly wrong. But or um, those injuries that. are significant. Taylor and Joshua Moore has a shoulder injury that is not healing as well as they thought, and he may be questionable for this game as well. Now, not that it would matter. The guy didn't touch the football. <laughs> In regulation of the last two games, he did catch a touchdown in overtime. Oh, yeah, the game winner. And he did get a touch against West Virginia when he recovered B. John Robinson's fumble. But those were the only two touches that Joshua Moore had in the last two games. So I don't know if they'd miss him if, if he's out for this game. I'm kidding, of course. I mean, he is their leading receiver. You'd just like to think that your leading receiver could get more touches than, than a fumble recovery and an overtime touchdown catch. But uh, those are significant. Too easy. too easy, Chip. Come on. <laughs> I know, I know. But if there's any good news, Keandre Coburn, who suffered the ankle injury with 3:20 left in the first quarter against West Virginia, and was replaced admirably by Tavondre Sweat, who proceeded to have a third down stop, a fourth down stop, a forced fumble, and the guy put a put up some uh, all conference numbers in that game. They yeah, have the defense in general against West Virginia were just. I mean, it was great to see. Great to see, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Taquan Graham continues. He's the highest-rated player on the team, according to Pro Football Focus. Joseph Osai is second, but Taquan Graham having a nice season. And and as we mentioned, Keandre Coburn, Tavondre Sweat, and Moro Ajomo, and throw some Alfred Collins in there. The big fellow almost had himself an interception against <laughs> West Virginia. Just got through his hands, but he's he's coming on. So Taylor. I mean, really, we, we want to get our fans involved because we've at, we asked them the question, hey, three-game winning streak, you getting excited about this Texas turnaround? We want to get into those answers. Um, but by, Tom Herman, uh, about uh, the only – well, I mean, probably the most interesting thing, the most talked about thing was um, he was asked about how do you keep your focus uh, and the team focus when – People are talking about Urban Meyer and recruits are decommitting. And Tom Herman went on some long rant about how unnamed sources and and internet reports and 
something that by God, he's got to block all that out. And I'm not quite sure what he said because it just didn't seem very uh, on the money to me. But I know uh, you had a thought or two on this. Yeah. Well, I mean, essentially what he said was that, you know, the team there with the players that are on campus, they they are easy to kind of tune out the outside noise, according to Tom Herman, that they don't take that type of stuff seriously. But it's a different game in recruiting because, in his words, these are 16-year-olds that are impressionable. And when so-and-so unnamed sources on, I believe he said, hor- or orangefans.com. Orange, orange fans. Orangefans.com. Um, you know, they're, they're spreading these rumors and these recruits are seeing it. And then it's just basically making the jobs of opposing uh, recruiters that much easier because all they have to do is hit print. And here you go. Look what's going on. And Tom Herman claims it's not true. However, the reality is right now, Chip, there's no doubt that negative recruiting is a real thing. Absolutely. It happens. Texas does it against their opponents. Opponents obviously do it against Texas, especially ones in the conference. If they're in the mix, you know, I mean, this is, this is a very, very, very common thing. If you know, going on for decades, 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 exactly. You can print any article for the last 45 years. And I guarantee at one point, Somebody used it to negatively recruit another one, especially another school if it was like a big time program. So that's that's normal. That's happened all the time. However, if you look at some of the recruiting misses that Texas has had for the, especially let's start with the 2021 class, they missed on the Brocker Meyer twins. Those are five star legacy offensive line recruits that in July chose to commit to Alabama over committing to Texas. Then before the season in August, lose the commit of Jalen Milrow. And that was before any games were played. Four-star quarterback. Yeah, four-star quarterback. And at that time, everybody was talking about Tom Herman in Texas possibly making a run, a wide-open Big 12. Texas has all the talent, all of the experience. They have a senior quarterback. All of the storylines essentially were positive about Texas leading up to the season. However, they were unable to, and these are just facts. These are not opinions. We're being honest about this. These are the facts of the matter. They were unable to get the Brocker Myers to commit, even though they have a brother on campus, even though their dad played for the University of Texas, two five-star in-state linemen, they're going to Alabama. And then the Jalen Milrow quarterback decommitment. Then Texas loses to TCU and they lose the commitment of Billy Bowman. Okay. Well, four-star wide receiver. Yeah. You lost to TCU. And then Big strong fast later, they 2022 class takes a major hit, losing Quinn Ewers, a number one recruit in the country, five-star quarterback out of South Lake Carroll. And then the following day, a 2022 receiver, Faison uh, Wilson, he decommits the following day. I I, I understand that Tom under like is you know he wants to blame the media, blame unnamed sources, blame internet reporters, all you want. However, the timeline actually doesn't match up to that. The timeline shows that. Recruiting was an issue prior to the start of the season when all of the stories about Texas is, is this is the year Texas is going to make a run. It wasn't about, is Tom Herman on the hot seat in 2020? That didn't happen until they lost to TCU, until they lost to Oklahoma. Those storylines were not the ones leading Texas football. It absolutely wasn't. And so now Tom's trying to spin this on this, but the, the fact of the matter, if we're talking about agendas and you know, unnamed sources and erroneous rumors. These are all erroneous rumors and, you know, unsubstantiated claims that he's making because actually the facts show 
the exact opposite of what the head coach said. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's our job to point that out. Yeah. And so good job, Taylor, on pointing <laughs> that out because <laughs> you can't, you know, in, in the whole, it's like we're playing with 11 true freshmen, even took a expanded view this, uh, this week when he started talking about how they're having to locker room in the visitor's locker room while their football facility is being completed. And it's been such a upside down year. So anyway, we'll see how uh, well Tom Herman connects with his own team, his own players when they hit the field in Lawrence, Kansas uh, against the Jayhawks this, uh, this Saturday, that will, that always tells the story what you see on the field. And, and that's, that's part of the problem for Tom Herman because um, for really the first four games of the Big 12 season, his team um, was a sloppy, undisciplined mess that, that escaped from Lubbock with a win uh, before getting beaten um, by TCU and Oklahoma. So, so Jim, uh, real quick, I want to ask your opinion on this. I mean, you've been covering the University of Texas for more than 25 years. You've seen however many coaches in that time frame. What was your take as one of the seasoned journalists on this beat to hear the head coach of the University of Texas blame essentially external factors for the issues, not only, I mean, I guess mainly recruiting, which is funny because I feel like recruiting sites usually help out Texas more than they hurt them. But I'm just curious for your opinion on this. Yeah, I, I, I have no time for this from Tom Herman because um, he's doubling down at times where I find it puzzling that he's doubling down. I mean, when you're winning, you just be quiet and, and keep the focus right where it needs to be. Instead, he's talking more and more about, it's been like we've had 11 true freshmen out there. Oh me, oh my, we're having to lock a room in the visitor's locker room and we're having to have meetings and, and donors suites on the eighth floor. Huh? I mean, that's nothing. And you, you're, you only create excuses when you allow excuses to exist, when you give your team exit ramps. And so I don't know who he's talking to when he's rambling on and on about that stuff, because he has, he knows that he's, he's made his own mess and he's got to clean it up. And uh, some of that has to do with his lack of attention to detail on how the team was going to handle the eyes of Texas after games that put Tom Herman in as hot of water as anything. And that was his fault. He did not follow through. And that I've reported that from that. I named sources, named named sources, sources. mind you, let's, let's put that out there. He's not talking about me. I can promise you that. Yeah, no named sources. You put the names on there. (laughs) Right. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's puzzling. And whenever you try to get into the control, the message game at Texas, it backfires. Right. I mean, even Charlie strong who lost, one 18 point loss after another would just say into the microphone, I know if we had just made that play and you know what, I'm trying to get these guys to play, you know, just make that play. And it was so kind of charming, even as he was going down in flames that, that people were pulling for him. And, and instead of trying to manage, don't tell Texas fans how to feel. Well, I mean, yeah. that's, that's, and I've, I've seen all that and it, 
John Makovic, at the end of the Mac Brown era, mm-hmm. now from Tom Herman, it, it never works. Right. And if you think back at Charlie Strong, I mean, it, just to play devil's advocate a little bit about what Tom Herman saying about how it impacts the negative negativity and the rumors about his job, you know, security that impacts recruiting. Charlie Strong was on the hot seat the minute he took the job. Let's be honest. Like he was not set up for success the minute that he stepped foot at the University of Texas. When he accepted that job, he didn't have the support of some of the big money guys. He had an athletic director that was, you know, just doing a way worse job than Charlie was. Yeah. Like uh, just the absolute biggest worst hire after 22 months. Yeah. Like one of the worst athletic director hires probably in college, like big time college sports history. And he still was able to recruit. Well, he still got top 10, you know, signing classes and they were losing. So not only were they losing, not only was the product not great on the field and not only was he on the hot seat from day one that he took over, they still got these. We never heard Charlie talk about this. We never heard him give an excuse that, oh, you guys are being too hard on me about my future. And so that's why recruits hear that. And so it's your fault. It's the fault of the media. It's this person's fault. No, like, no. Charlie, if, if, if we want to play devil's advocate, like, I, and, you know, Tom, I want Tom to win. Like, let's be honest, it's easier to deal with fun, happy people than it is to deal with miserable people. And that's the reality of the situation. I think you and I, you know, we're, we're going to pull for Texas to win games because it makes our jobs easier. And so I'm not trying to bash Tom Herman. I'm not trying to come down on him, but I'm going to call it like it is. And like it is, is every single thing that he's making an excuse for at this point really can be debunked by not only the fact of the matter of how this season has played out and the timeline of when de- decommitments and all that happened, but go back to the previous regime when that coach never had a winning season, never had the support of his athletic director, never had, I mean, they had to beg to get a freaking ping pong table in the student, you know, uh, lounge for the athletes. Like that was the situation Charlie Strong was and they still signed recruits. So as my dad always says, complain and lose. So it's time to stop complaining and win. Yeah. Yep. So man, just imagine what things are going to be like when he, turns this thing around and wins the Big 12 championship this year. Yeah, right? Hey, maybe it will um, be Makovic over again. <laughs> hey, hey, it's John Makovic. High highs, low lows. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it seemed to go every other year. So, Tom, put on your best John Makovic and let's go. Yeah, everyone's comparing Tom to Mac Brown 2013. Maybe we got to start comparing him to John Makovic 1996. Uh, maybe they can turn around and win the Big 12 championship. Who knows? Hey. Come on, Texas fans will take a Big 12 championship, that's for sure. They're tired of seeing it go north of the Red River. All right, Taylor, um, I know we've got some some fan participation and, of course, our own Love It or Leave It. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, before we get to our own Love It or Leave It, Chip, I uh, wanted to go back to last week's episode of the flagship podcast. We proposed a question to our listeners and our Horns 24-7 members of love it or leave it, you're starting to get excited about a season turnaround. So we said that, you know, we were going to talk about this bef- or this, this, uh, this show. And so just to give the fan perspective, Chip, I'm going to read some of the responses that we had for that. You ready? Okay. Are you going to, is that a tease? Are you going give- to? I'm going to read it right now before we get to our love it or leave it. So, okay. Okay. All right. So before, uh, the first one I have here is from Bluff Horn, a Horns 24-7 member. 
And his response is, I'm disappointed to date. However, with the well-timed buy or off week, I'm actually optimistic about this stretch run. Call me crazy and I won't disagree, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling pretty good about it at this moment. That's now, just turning it around. Did you say that person's name is Bluff Horn? Bluff Horn. So they're not bluffing us, right? This I don't is know. how they really you call your bluff. <laughs> you call your bluff. No, I mean, look, this is this is the way you would like to believe that a team progresses from the horrible start that they had in Big Twelve play. That you're getting better from week to week to week. The sign of a well-coached team is week to week improvement. That's the easiest formula in the world. And we've seen the defense get better. We talked about this in last week's podcast. We've seen the special teams get better, although now they have to navigate no Ryan Buchevsky, who'd been punting great, probably his best 15 punts as a Longhorn came against Oklahoma State and West Virginia now. Cameron Dicker will be the punter, and, and they've got a backup long snapper named Zach Edwards holding for Cameron Dicker's field goals. But if they can maintain that, progress in special teams of course Deshaun Jameson the 100 yard kick return against Oklahoma State and and then we see the passing offense start to get into rhythm then I think bluff horn is right I think the thing that's holding people back from jumping on board with bluff horn here is the fact that Sam Ellinger is coming off two of his worst passing games and really his one of his worst five game stretches in the passing game and people want to see that improve before they just put their, throw their arms around this turnaround. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing right now. I mean, if you, if seeing the way that the defense is clicking right now and seeing how well they have played in, you know, against some decent, at least decent teams, like let, let's take the bait. If, if we want to call it what it is, let's just take the Baylor game out of the equation, but let's look at the Oklahoma state game, West Virginia, West Virginia, especially the defense played so well, they played hard. They were, they, you know, there were some issues a little bit in the secondary play, but overall they were playing well. If the offense can click with this, we are talking about an entirely different scenario. We're not talking about, are you excited about a late season turnaround? If you're a Texas fan, no, we're talking about, all right, they handle business they're going to the big 12 title you know it's not necessarily the the kind of like ups and downs of what's going to possibly happen i really think that you know if if the passing game and the offense was clicking as well as the defense and progressing as well as the defense this would be a different scenario i think texas fans would feel much better without having to kind of put the hesitation of well i think this should happen but 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 you know that type of thing like kind of having to um, mark your your tracks or cover your tracks a little bit with that. But yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's absolutely key. All right, let's get to uh, what do we got next? All right. So the next one we have here, sorry, I just uh, scrolled down. Here we go. So this was from young Hookham, and he said for love it or leave it. I'm going to leave it. I'm curious to see whether this Texas team is the 2013 Texas the 2016 team, 2018 team, or 2014. However, I'm not excited because I cannot forgive the TCU and OU losses without a conference championship game. I'm not holding my breath, and I'm praying for Urban Meyer. The biggest issue is, is what this team looks like in year four. They look the same as they did as the 2017 team from Young Hookham. 
this there's so much of this season has reminded me of 2013 with the way that you had big money guys looking to court Nick Saban and Mac Brown having to claim at least a share of the Big 12 title to keep them from really moving in on him and he's playing in the final game of the regular season against Baylor with a chance to gain a share of the Big 12 title and it's tied 3 to 3 and then Baylor pulls away in a in a 30 to 13 win and again you had the big money guys with their eyeballs on Saban Mac was you know not going to go quietly didn't go quietly and I feel like in some ways you've got that again because Tom looked like he was dead in the water. The big money guys are eyeballing Urban Meyer. And then Tom gets hot, beats Oklahoma State, beats West Virginia, should trounce Kansas, come home, play Iowa State, and then go on the road against K-State. If Texas keeps improving, they'll be favored in all those games. Um, And how's this drama going to end? Is it going to be Game of Thrones? circa 2013 or do we get Hoosiers or Rudy or something where Texas rallies and ends up toppling the Sooners after losing to them earlier in the year and we get some uh, crystal coming to Austin so that's why sports is always going to be the best reality television Mm -hmm. because you can't predict it a lot of times and and so I get, I get where Young Hookem is coming from. Right. Yeah. And uh, this is another user. This is a Twitter user that responded, and this is one that they agree or they they're excited about this chip. They said an OU Texas rematch the weekend before Christmas sounds so juicy. I think Sam and Spencer have both gotten better since the Cotton Bowl, and both defenses look better. Could we get? Two quote instant classics in one season. That's from at Easy Shop One on Twitter, and that's I. I mean, anytime Texas and Oklahoma take the field, people usually don't tune out. You know, it doesn't oh, yeah. matter what their ranking are. I mean, this year alone, this is a perfect example. Both teams, you know, entering the game with a loss. Oklahoma coming in off of two losses for the first time in Lincoln Riley's tenure at Oklahoma as a head coach and. They put up a four overtime performance that, you know, didn't end Texas direction. But when those two teams take the field, I think most people are going to tune in. So I, I'm with you. I'm definitely with you there. Easy shop one. I think that it would be a good Christmas tr- present. And the good thing for Texas fans is, you know, odds show usually if teams have to face each other twice in the same season, the team that won the first time, it's not always the case that they win the second time. So if that were the case, if Texas Oklahoma rematch in the Big Twelve Championship, oh, you took the regular season. Who knows? Maybe maybe it'll be flipped from twenty eighteen when Texas took the regular season and oh, you took the Big Twelve Championship that year. We'll see. Oh yeah, let's go. Let's go. We'll see about that. We will know come what December nineteenth. I have a whiteboard over here with the schedule. So, oh yeah. Um, all right, Chip. Well. Uh, Before we get to this week's love it or leave it topics, we're going to take a very short break, but our listeners definitely stay tuned because we have some heavy hitters this week in love it or leave it, including what's going on in Bedlam. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Chip, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So I'm so ready. Okay. I mean, it's Kansas week, Taylor. It's How could easy. I not be ready? <laughs> Less miles. There you go. Going for He's going for the sweep in the worst of the worst categories in the Big 12. So... Uh, has anyone checked on Les? I mean, I'm worried about my man. <laughs> he's had COVID-19. He's seemed, he seemed a little distant, but, well, let's get to love it or leave it. Yeah, we'll do that. All right. So my first topic for you, Chip, is love it or leave it. Texas keeps its string of turnover-free games alive. Okay, well, if they're going to improve – on offense, show improvement with Sam Ellinger saying he's not going to aim the ball. I'm just going to let it rip. I'm going to trust my receivers. Then I will love this. I will love this. Um, and I'm giving them benefit of the doubt that I don't know that I should give, but they have been uh, a little bit lucky. Bajon Robinson fumbled in the West Virginia game. Josh Moore recovered it. And, and, you know, they've had a couple bounces go their way, but that's, that's what teams that are winning, they, they get that they're, right. they're, they're aware they're around the ball. They're making plays on the ball. They're helping their, their team pick it up when they drop it. So, um, I'm going to love this Taylor, uh, Texas, obviously forced the four turnovers that were critical in the win over Oklahoma state. They don't win that game. They, they may not even win the game with the four turnovers. They don't get the roughing the punter on fourth and 22, but nonetheless, they won that turnover battle four to nothing. It was critical. No turnovers in the West Virginia game. Let's keep it clean going into Iowa state. How about you? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I'm trying to decide if I want to love this or leave this. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to love it. Cause you know, um, Last weekend, or last week, excuse me, when we had the Bioweek flagship podcast, I talked about Sam Ellinger. And I've, I've said, you know, an Ellinger I trust. I know it's not just on him, obviously, but he touches the ball every, every single snap. You know, I think that I think him having a bye week is going to um, really help the, him not only just kind of regain his confidence, but obviously to get healthier um, and not be playing, you know, as he's bruised and battered like he's been basically since the Texas Tech game. And, you know, we've said basically leading up to this entire season, this offense is going to go as Sam Ellinger goes. I mean, he is the offense. Texas identity on offense in 2020 is Sam Ellinger. And so I think that he sets the tone. And I think I'm going to I'm going to pull my in Ellinger I trust move again, Chip. And I'm going to say that 
him having a better performance against Kansas coming out of the bye week with an extra week to prepare, an extra week to get healthy, sets the tone for the Texas offense, and they continue this streak. I like it. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, positivity here, right? A lot of positivity here. <laughs> you come All here right. for positivity, baby. Exactly, exactly. All right, Chip. My next one for you is uh, Texas opened the week as a 29-and-a-half points uh, favorite over over Kansas for Saturday's 238 game. So, love it or leave it, Texas will cover the 29-and-a-half point spread. Oh, I'm leaving this. <laughs> I'm leaving this. The easiest money on the board all season long has been Texas not to cover. I mean, it has just been the easiest money going. And the fact that Texas hasn't covered each of the last four times they've played Kansas, including the loss in 2016, uh, no way am I saying that Texas covers the 29 and a half. Rock, chalk, Jayhawk on the point spread. <laughs> I agree with you. And I think I think the margin of win for the last four years or something on average is like eight points or something like that. And so, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Um, and, I, and I hope I'm proven wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this because there's been a lot of negativity all season long. Listen, we don't want it to be negative. I can promise you that I do not want to go into covering a Kansas game with the concern that, Texas is going to have play this one close because I've been there. We've done that chip. We've been there, done that, dealt with the meltdown, dealt with the repercussions that come from that. So I'm not trying to be negative. However, Texas has seemingly continued to play up or down to the level of opponents since Tom Herman has um, taken over as head coach. He, you know, maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe they'll continue this, uh, this uh, streak that they're on and go four game streak going into Iowa state. Maybe that'll happen. However, I don't necessarily see Texas beating any team right now by 30 points. I just don't. And until should they? Yes. Yes, they should. Are they capable of doing it? Yes. If they're put in the proper situation to handle the business, if they, if they actually focus on the task at hand. Yeah, absolutely. Like let's compare the rosters between Kansas and Texas. No offense to Kansas fans. It, w- it would be like, you know, trying to compare Kansas basketball to say like, I, I don't Texas know. basketball. Yeah, t- yeah, honestly, Texas basketball. I mean, like, let's be real about that. So this isn't a knock on the Jayhawks. It's just the reality of the situation. However, I feel like we've just learned our lesson. Maybe let's let's see Texas surprise us rather than give them the benefit of the doubt to think that they're going to win by thirty points. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it with you. However, I do think Texas wins this game. Let's make that clear. Just I agree. Not by 30. <laughs> I agree. And prove me wrong. Please pr- prove me Please. wrong. I would, I would love to cover a game where our game stories are written in the fourth, you know, at the start of the fourth quarter. And all we have to do is edit the score at the end. And that's all like, it makes our life so much easier. If you just That would be beautiful. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I have one more for you, Chip. And this is about um, two other teams in the Big 12 that are in contention for the Big 12 uh, title race right now. So, love it or leave it, Oklahoma State will end its five-game losing streak to the Sooners in Bedlam this week. You know, on paper, Oklahoma State is the better team. They have... Tylen Wallace, they have Chuba Hubbard, Spencer Sanders makes plays. Their defense is legit. 
So you know what? I'm going to go against my better sense of judgment here because Oklahoma has owned Oklahoma State and they're playing in Norman. But guess what? The last time Oklahoma State won in this series, it was in Norman when Bob Stoops ridiculously punted to Tyreek Hill and had it shoved up his Sooner schooner (laughs) and Oklahoma State won the game. So I am going with Mike Gundy and the Cowboys to end five years of misery against Oklahoma. Okay, that's interesting. I about I, that. Yeah, you know, this is this is a little bit of a toss-up game for me. Um, I do feel that Oklahoma has been getting better week in and week out. I feel I honestly, I mean, if Texas would have taken care of the business against Oklahoma, they were probably fortunate to get them at the beginning of the season. Unfortunately, it didn't play out the way that I think it could have, obviously. But um, yeah, you know, it, this is just it's hard to pick against. Oklahoma, the five-time Big 12 champions? Uh, and especially when, you know, this is an Oklahoma State team that had every chance to beat Texas and kept shooting itself in the foot. I mean, I think, I think I'm going to have to disagree with you here. I think I'm going to have to leave it and say the Sooners go on for win number six in the Bedlam. Well, they are certainly the house money. Yes. They are certainly – um, the blue chip stock and Oklahoma state is the penny stock, unfortunately in this situation, cause you got a five game losing streak, <laughs> but hey, uh, it's fun. Sometimes the penny slots are the funnest, the best to play in casinos. You get free drinks and you're just paying like pennies. So oh, yeah. maybe the penny slot, the penny ones, might be, yeah. maybe it's time. Maybe. maybe it's time for that penny slot to hit. Yeah. <laughs> we shall see. All right, Taylor, good stuff today. Um, And thanks to everyone for joining in. Uh, Don't forget to check out our flagship podcast preview. We'll be talking to Scott Chasen of Fog, um, our Kansas 24-7 site. I think it's uh, fog.net, P-H-O-G.net. you know, because that's a basketball school. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Fog.net is correct. Yes. <laughs> fog. Beware the fog. I do love Fog Allen Fieldhouse, though. Um, all right. So thanks so much to everybody for listening. And uh, as you head toward the holidays, stay safe and keep the faith. Uh, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time here from the Flagship Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. Now, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.